Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. This is 64 Tacos Book Club Episode 1, Out of the Silent Planet, Part 1. Alright, welcome to another 64 Tacos podcast. Um, we are branching out into books. Um, so we are uh, checking out a, a book. We're going to read it over the course of several uh, podcast, maybe I think five or six. Um, the book uh, that we have selected is actually the book that I selected, which is Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. It's a book that I read when I was young. So maybe, you know, Love is a Battlefield. Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, that uh, that's exactly what I was getting at. How did you know? Um, <laughs> I think I was probably you know like 13 or 14 when I read it. And I think I read it because I like Narnia so much. So I, I was like, cool, science fiction. I like science fiction too. And same author. Um, I don't remember many of the details. I just remember really liking it uh, when I was a teenager. Um, so I don't think anybody else has read it. Is that true? That is correct. I had not read it. No, it's true. Okay, great. Uh, it's not very long. I think it's my edition is all of 160 pages. Um but uh, it gives us a chance to kind of all four of us go through it and talk about what we like and, and see what we think. Our first section here is the first five chapters. Uh, we each uh, went through and read and or listened to them over the last week or so. So uh, first, we'll do a brief synopsis here of what actually happens. Uh, the story begins with a, uh, a character named Ransom, Elwin Ransom, but he's almost always referred to as Ransom. He is a professor and he's out for a walking tour uh, in the English countryside, I believe. And he is unable to find lodging where he wishes to find lodging. So he walks on in the evening. During his travel to the next potential uh, lodging site, he runs across a woman whose uh, son is working for a near at a nearby mansion. She is very concerned because he's late. So he partially selfishly hoping to earn himself a... Uh, a place to sleep for the night, but also partially um, in an effort to help out the woman, he agrees that he is going to go take a look and uh, see if he can investigate and find out what happened to her, to Harry, her son. So he does so, and he kind of has to sneak in a little bit uh, to the mansion because no one's paying attention. Um, he does find Harry. Harry is being, it's a little unclear to Ransom exactly what's happening because uh, he doesn't have full context, but uh, it seems like they're forcing him into somewhere he doesn't want to go. Uh, by they, I, of course, mean the uh, the two initial antagonists here, uh, Divine and Weston, I believe their names are. Yep. Yep. And they uh, they say that he's having, you know, he's a half wit and he's freaking out about something or other. And they're just trying to make sure he's OK and then they're going to send him on home. But, you know, they seem there's an air of something being wrong in Ransom's mind to this. So he kind of begrudgingly uh, agrees to come on in and they agree to send uh, the, the kid home. Harry. Harry, yes. As it turns out, Divine is an old schoolmate of his who he did not particularly like back when they were younger. But nevertheless, uh, he is very eager to find some place to sleep. So he goes in. As it turns out, he gets drugged by Divine, knocked out, and he comes to as he overhears Divine and Weston discussing basically an effort to kidnap him and make him go somewhere he doesn't want to go uh, as a replacement for Harry since they were caught while doing that. So uh, he kind of tries to make an escape, is knocked unconscious, and when he next awakes, he is in a new place, which turns out to be 
a spacecraft headed towards, well, he doesn't know where, other than it's a planet in our solar system. And he overhears while, you know, on the course of the weeks that they're up in the uh, in the spaceship, he overhears Divine talking about how he's going to be turned over to, uh, I believe, Sorn is uh, the, the word used, which uh, he has no idea what it is, but he does not like the idea of it based on the way it's being discussed. Uh, so he has discovered this, and the last thing he does, I believe, is steal a knife from the kitchen to be able to protect himself when they actually get to where they're going, which is not too far away. And that's where our, our fifth chapter more or less ends. Um, so uh, what did you guys think? Uh, maybe, uh, Dave, you want to go first and give some thoughts? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> I liked it. Um, so so far, so good. It's a little slow getting going, um, but that's kind of... That's kind of the way Lewis does it. I I feel as he he gives you a lot of a lot of background information about what what's going on. Like um, he describes the the farms and stuff that Ransom's walking past, and he describes the um, a, a lot of detail about the 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 rise, which is where uh, Weston and um, Divine are, and it just takes a little while to get to get to the actual meat of what, what's going on. You know, it starts off as just a guy walking down a road, which isn't particularly interesting, but it does create a lot of atmosphere, um, which I thought was really good. And then when, when he is on the spacecraft, you get a real good feeling for exactly what's, what he's doing or, or what he's experienced. There's what, what he's experiencing, like very little actually takes place in these first five chapters. I mean, other than, you know, an abduction and then a journey to another planet, but, the bulk of it is more just atmosphere. You know, he is very thorough in describing Ransom's experiences and how his per- perception of what's happening changes as he gets more information. And I think he did a really does a really good job with that. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I, I I didn't remember this as well, but he does an interesting thing where he he does, he doesn't really he takes a while to tell you what the reality of, of the, the place that Ransom is when he wakes up. I mean, you, you have a pretty good guess because it's a sci-fi novel, but he just basically describes everything that he experiences mm-hmm. um, for a while before he said, before he has his stand in Weston describe that they're in a little spaceship or, or maybe it's right. divine, but anyway, one of them describes that they're in a spaceship, but it's he describes, Weston. yeah, the, the feeling uh, that he gets when he's walking and, and, and what, what he sees and, and, um, and, and, and stuff like that. Um, what did you think, Matt? Um, I liked it. I, I like the slower start of it. And, um, I, I had a feeling he was about to be drugged when they opened the bottle of wines, like, Oh, the wine's out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, yeah, it was just, uh, kind of a enjoyable, I, I listened to it, so it was an enjoyable listen. I I liked there was something about they're going to this planet and they named the planet Melchandria. Yeah, he didn't know what that was, and they're like, "Well, that's what they call it." So I feel like we're about to dive into a lot more. I'm excited for it. Yeah, uh, I loved I love that uh, that part too when um, when uh, he's he's talking to. Uh, was a divine about the, about the planet and he's and divine telling him about the, um, the name, uh, of what, what they're, 
what the real name of the planet is. And it's he said Western, something to the effect yeah. of, well, how the, how the deuce did you find out <laughs> what its real name was? And, and I just love that. It was, it was hard for me to like, not think of that in Stewie's voice from a family guy, but it's just like, you know, the, the sort the, the thirties um, language yeah. is, is fun because, you know, the, and there's, there's not really a whole lot of swearing, but they have to kind of find new ways of yeah. expressing themselves. And, but yeah, it was, it was a fun read. Uh, and I, and I really liked the, the, you know, how it starts off kind of slow and you've got, you know, this character and he's kind of on walkabout and just going loner doing his own thing. And, and, uh, and then he just kind of gets wrapped up in this plot. He doesn't really know and what's going on, but it starts to unravel. And, and the whole drugging scene was really, I, I liked the imagery of how, how, um, you know, they're, he's, he just kind of feels like he keeps getting further and further away. And I don't know if Mm -hmm. any of you guys have been under anesthesia, but that's exactly what it feels Mm -hmm. like. It's like, you're just in this long, long tunnel and everything's gone, you know, going, going, going until it's gone. It made sense Um, that I couldn't hear him because he was what seemed to be a mile away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's cool stuff like that. Um, and then, you know, when he wakes up on the, on the ship and, and there's, at first he thinks the planet is the moon and they tell him it's the earth and it's, and, uh, it, you know, he's got light on one side and dark on the other side. And, and, uh, he's just, you know, at first he's really disoriented, but then he kind of starts to like it a little bit, you know, uh, it's, it's cool. I, I like, uh, I like what CS Lewis is doing here. And, and, um, and I kind of wish I would, would have read this, uh, sooner. I, I knew about it for, for a long time. I knew about the trilogy of books, um, but I just never got around to reading it. So it's good that we're, we're doing this now. <laughs> yeah. It turns out we actually, it's been sitting on my bookshelf for the last 15, 20 years. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Apparently, apparently Jamie picked it up at some point. Um, yeah. And I told her we were doing this and she's like, Oh, I, we, I have that book. Yeah. It's a, it's funny, Zach, you mentioned uh, the, you know, what the deuce, you know, that sort of like old timey, it's a yeah. very, very British book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah. the first words that, uh, when, uh, when ransom comes across, Divine and Weston trying to cram um, Harry into the spacecraft is <laughs> here. I say, you know, which is like <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's, it's very like Bertie Wooster, you know. It's like so, like it's uh, and and uh, I also thought I don't know if you guys are noticing as this this as much, um, but there were, seemed to be a lot of references, um, like like as an issue he wants to kind of talk about uh, to uh, the the sort of uh, colonial colonialist past of England. Um, there was just a lot of, and I'm trying to think of a specific example, but um, I think well, a lot of it was divine, in the attitudes div- of divine. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we, it's sort of subhuman, like, well, there's the superior superiority and then, you know, and then, uh, you know, the, the, bur- this, the burdens of the white man. <laughs> you, yeah. There was a lot of mentions of him and, and how that was one of the reasons that um, as exactly ransom liked him at first when he was a teenager and mm-hmm. then, like after like a few months, he was like, "Oh, this guy's full of it. Never mind, this guy sucks." You know, mm-hmm. it's that right. sort of like uh, a, a sort of like a angsty like teenage uh, BS bravado about you know superiority and you know all this all this all this kind of crap that you find all over the internet uh, these <laughs> days. Um, but yeah, and then there's a sort of thought of you know, their divine just wants to make money. That's the only reason he's doing it. He just wants to make money off of this new location. And so they're doing whatever it is that they need to do to acquire money. 
And then the other thing I noticed was Weston, the scientist, his he mentioned a couple of times that, you know, for the greater good of discovery or or success, small sacrifices like, you know, the life of ransom, for example, are a small penalty worth paying. This is sort of idea that uh, you, the, the ends justifies the means, which I think uh, mm-hmm. is a lot of the religious um, the religious justification for, you know, uh, bringing bringing God to, you know, uh, whether it was, you know, uh, the New World in, in North America or in Africa, you know, that was the sort of like cover. Oh, we're doing we're, it's good for them. We're we're bringing yeah. them culture and, and religion and, and all these other things. So it's OK that we're, you know, taking all their money and basically, you know, putting them in an apartheid state. Um, I, I thought that I, I did not notice that at all when I read it when I was younger, rather unsurprisingly. But yeah, it's a it, it 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 reminds me very much of Narnia and that sort of uh, that sort of narrator's voice that C.S. Lewis uses very well, sort of very British and very sort of charming. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, that's that's one thing that popped out at me from rereading this uh, so many years later. Well, I had the benefit of having a British man read the, it to me, <laughs> so <laughs> it was literally in a British voice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you, were you listening to the same version, Matt? Um, I don't. I don't know. I got mine on YouTube because somebody had borrowed the book from the library. Already. <laughs> yes, yes, they had. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys live close to each other. It's the same library now, isn't it? <laughs> yep. Um, let's see if I can find the version. I don't know how to use this app. Is anyway. it a, is it a British guy though, Matt? Who? Um, yeah, it's a um, British guy, and the the voice acting's really good. Yeah, I was I was it. impressed. So, quick question for I don't I've never really used. I mean, I remember when I was younger, like on cross country trips, listening to like Prairie Home Companion on on tape. Mm-hmm. But um, with these sort of fiction novels, how much like voice acting is it for the different characters? Do they change the tones? Like, do they do so, they all have different voices for the different people or? There are there are subtle voices for like it it's it's all the the reader's voice of course, mm-hmm. um, but he does subtle changes for it. Um, like he'll do a more feminine voice for for female characters, and he'll do for Harry he he uses a more simple voice, mm-hmm. if you will. And you know for for divine, it's you've got this arrogant arrogant voice, and Weston is very Weston reminded me a lot of uh, of the Sheldon Cooper character, like just the the monotone matter of fact absolute um, hmm. everything he says is is the truth type uh, voice. And then ransom is more of you know the the scholarly voice. so he does he does vary the voice um a lot but it's not there there are definitely are not different voice actors for it um because i believe that would take a whole production thing and mm-hmm. i actually had a speaking of c.s lewis i think i have a copy of the lion the witch in the wardrobe where they have um actually the whole series where they have voice actors act out the book uh, and it's it's a really good production but this is not that this is just a a person reading it and they he does slightly different voices for each character Oh, interesting. I uh, in my my uh, sort of um, very marginal uh, Wikipedia style research, I noticed that um, somebody said, "Who knows if this is true?" That Ransom is uh, uh, he's a philologist, which is to say, a student of language. Which uh, his C.S. Lewis's friend J.R.R. Tolkien, of course, was as well. And someone mentioned um, that he modeled the character after uh, Tolkien. 
Um, I don't know if that's absolutely true or not, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, also, having a hero be a uh, a scholar of of uh, of languages is a very sort of C.S. Lewis <laughs> type, yeah. type thing. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I, I thought it might be kind of nice uh, to wrap up our uh, our podcast, unless anyone else wants to add anything else, with uh, just uh, some some minor predictions for what might happen next. Um, I will abstain since I have a vague memory of the arc of the story. But uh, I don't know if you guys each want to toss out like, hey, what, what happens to Ransom when they get there? Um, what What's a Sorn? What are, what are these creatures going to be like? That kind of thing. Oh, I'll go first and say I don't really have a good idea what's going to happen. I think things are going to go a little sideways from what what um, the two guys who kidnapped Weston are planning, though. Yeah, um, I, I I'm guessing there's going to be an interaction with the Sorens. Um, I gosh, I have no idea. I mean, he goes into great detail about Ransom's fears about what the Sorens are going to be, but. Gosh, I really don't know what what to expect in that regard. Do you think the the handover will go smoothly? No, no. My guess is um, Weston tries to, or uh, sorry, Ransom tries to escape at some point. Yeah, I hope that's what happens. I hope that he gets away, and then he's kind of like stranger in a strange land, trying to figure out what all these aliens and structures and things are. Um, what I hope it's not is they're just like tentacle monsters and then there's like <laughs> anal probing and stuff because mm-hmm. that uh that See, would not be an enjoyable read seems unlikely uh yeah but you know yeah, that would be more of an from an american perspective i think right. <laughs> we're japanese, we're japanese. <laughs> what are you talking about matt they, Whatever they like tentacles oh that's that's interesting all right uh yeah okay i think that probably does it and we'll just come back around next time and and uh get the next chunk of the story and talk about it a little bit more Yep, we'll have another episode for you next week, hopefully. I caught it on audio.